actually um, come from a, a, a set of videos. It's called The Bible Project. And you're, you can go check out, and all these videos are free, and they give you, a, it's just great history, biblical history, and a different way to look at it um, through video. As we continue this series that I started last week, is, remember we we're talking about what happened. Some of you had what happened moments this week. Uh, it could have been a job that you go, I thought everything was fine. What happened? Or it could have been a relationship and you go, uh, I, I don't know what happened to our relationship. Where did I go wrong? Or maybe it's, uh, uh, maybe it's a, a, a question or uh, that you go, hey, I, I, I don't know what happened, mom. Or I don't, I don't know what happened to dad. I don't know why we got in a fight. Or it could have been just conversation and somewhere... After the conversation, it got heated, and you go, you ever been there? And you go, what happened? Well, here's a thing that I want you to learn today, that I really want you to walk up. There are many what happened moments that uh, we, uh, we did not come up with. We did not plan. If there was ever somebody that needed uh, this grace from God, this favor from God, it's, it's a lady we're going to read about, and uh, it's in John chapter 8, verses, uh, well, all the way through verse 11, but it's in John chapter 8. Now, I've done this story before, but remember what we're doing. For those of you who are visiting or maybe catching the second time, we're taking, we're taking these stories, and what we're about to read is about the woman that some Bibles say she was an adulteress, some say she was an, a prostitute. And, and, and we know that she was in bad shape. And remember, and we know the story that uh, the Pharisees and some of the uh, scribes brought uh, this lady uh, who was caught in the very act of adultery and threw her in front of Jesus. And they begin to test Jesus to say, okay. Now in the law, it says this. And so that, those are all, the, all good things. We can learn about what, how how. There was unrighteousness in, in the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We can learn that you can't trick Jesus. <laughs> he knows what you're doing. Um, and we would learn uh, uh, about grace. But what I want us to do is after the story, we don't add to the scripture. We don't take away. But I think we have to ask ourselves, what happened to that woman? What happened? And so we're going to read this scripture and take a look at it. I think that that moment, God offered this graciousness to her. She didn't even ask for it. But even though she didn't ask for it, God knew, man, she needed it. Or you wouldn't have been pulled in front of all these men. And so uh, in, this, um, in this understanding of the scripture, what I want you to understand is that we all need the favor and grace of God, right? Now, come on. You can turn your halo down. There are sometimes you, you hope people get it. Not get it, but get it. Now, if you're, it, 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 all of us are human. There are times where we go, but we have to stand our breath. I hope you get a ticket. But then we go, I'm sorry, God. Because just as soon as you say it, woo, 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 you know, you'll get a ticket. And then all those in the world call this, boy, karma is coming. Uh, and karma has a lot, uh, a, a lot to do in, our, in the world that really doesn't understand who Christ is. But one person in the Bible that we read about is this, that she found the gracious gift of God, uh, and she found it. And let's look at this. It says, uh, Jesus re uh, returned to the Mount of Olives, 
But early in the next morning, now let me stop there, because we know this story so well, some of us that we've been in, we've been in church so long that right now, whether you realize it, subconsciously, you're shutting down. So don't do that. Read it like it was for the first time. You ready? It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he went back into the temple. So he's in the temple. And uh, he, a crowd soon began to gather, and he sat down and he taught them. And he, and he was speaking uh, to the teachers and the, the teachers and the religious law, uh, law and the Pharisees brought this woman uh, who had been caught in the act of adultery. So they caught her. Now, I don't know if she was with the man. Uh, sometimes I think she was. I don't know if she was walking out the door or it was right before or it was, but it, caught in the very act pretty much means caught in the act. And a lot of pictures show her fully dressed, and, and I don't know if that's true. I don't know if she had time to grab a sheet or if she had time. To, I just look at this story, and I go, what was that like? Um, either way, she needed something, and it was a, a very terrible moment for her. said, a broad woman who had been caught in the, very, uh, the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Oh, wow. Did you see that? I mean, six words. That's devastating to be thrown into a crowd. You ever had somebody do something and that was just very uncomfortable because you were in front of the crowd and you thought, I wish they wouldn't have said that. And they did it on purpose. And picture this. And they said this. They said, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Now remember, I want to remind you, this could have been a prostitute or she could have been a married woman because we don't know. We just know that she was an adulteress. Okay? So in those days, you could be an adulteress, and that made you a prostitute. You could be a prostitute, that made you an adulteress. You could be somebody who just simply um, just lost their mind, lost their love, lost something, and they had an affair, and they became an adulteress. Uh, they could have been married. Um, but one thing we know is um, they were talking about the law and says, listen, this is what we, what we practice you're with me? This is, to me, it's foreign to think that if two people are caught, if two people are caught in adultery, so you've got, it, and everybody goes, well, it wasn't my fault. I was just weak. It's my husband's fault because he didn't provide for me, and we had lots of issues, and he wouldn't open up. You still made a choice to leave your husband. How's that? Right? It's, it's, it's about those choices. So either way, I want you to understand that uh, it didn't matter whether you were the woman that had the affair with the man or whether you were the man that had an affair with, and we're fixing to look at all the listings, the way they looked at it in Leviticus and at certain parts of Deuteronomy. It didn't matter. You were supposed to stone them both. Did you know that? So a lot of people said in these days, a lot of people will go, well, it, she wasn't married. She was probably a prostitute. And that made her an adulteress because the man's not there. We don't know that. So don't assume, just because a man wasn't there, maybe he ran. Maybe they ran in, caught them in the very act, and he grabbed his stuff and got away, and they could only grab the woman, right? Maybe 
because they were kind of low lives. They're religious people, and they were deceivers. Maybe the, and I'm not adding to the scripture. I'm just going, there's different options here. Maybe these guys that wanted to catch Jesus, you know, and, and, and try to hook him and say, ah, oh, you're wrong. Maybe they knew this man and said, listen, we know you're having an affair. We could, we could bring you out, and, and we could stone you because both of you are wrong. Maybe, maybe you don't know. Maybe they said, but I'll tell you what, when we knock on the door, that's going to be us, and we'll let you out, but you let us have the woman because we've got to get this Jesus. You really don't know. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious, and watch this, and us, are so deceptive sometimes. So what I want you to see is we don't know why that man wasn't there. We don't know if she was married. We, know, we don't know if she was a prostitute. But it says this. It says, uh, let's, let's see what the Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him. Look what it says. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, a lot of theologians go, this is a picture of God when he, back in Genesis, took his finger and, you know, wrote uh, the Ten Commandments, Right? This is where people take that. And, and again, that's one option. Maybe he was just doodling. Maybe he was look, looking at the woman and saying, don't cry. I don't know if they said that back then, but maybe he was saying, it's all good. I got this. Don't sweat this. Or my favorite is, watch this. I, I would love to have. We don't know what he wrote down. It says they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. And there's a couple of questions we all want to ask God, which we're really not going to ask God when we get to heaven. Our jaws, spiritual jaws are going to drop and we're just going to, you know what I mean? That won't be a question, but if there were, one would be, I'd I'd want to go find Adam and Eve and slap one of them because it really had it good. The second thing that I would do is I'd want to say, you know, why in the world? I just don't see a need for a mosquito. Uh, and, then, um, and, uh, and then the third one would be is, uh, what did you write? But I'm really not going to ask that because I'm just going to be uh, fully in, in, in love with Christ at that moment. He's just, he said, let him throw the stone. Then he stooped down and wrote again. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away. I want you to notice how they slipped away. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Because the oldest people there, the men were going, I'm wise enough to keep my mouth shut. Because on my way over here, you know, I said something about somebody or I have been with a prostitute or I have been a part of an affair. But they knew when it was time to walk away. Now, I've noticed that a younger generation, which I was a part of, all of you were, and if you were really honest with yourselves, we were more, hey, let's battle, really. Uh, hey, I want to stand up for this. We really were. If you stop and think about it, and then as you get older, you begin to go, I don't have a dog in that fight. I don't have the energy for that fight. It's not going to help, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And a younger generation would look at you and go, oh, so what's wrong with you? You can't answer, can you? And you're going, no, I just want to go home and have a Coke. 
I really don't care about this conversation. Does that make sense? Really, until you're, you, you get older, it really is, the older you get. But here's the thing, I want you to see this. They slipped away by my way, one by way, one by one, and the older people left first going, hmm, no, can't battle that. And then, ready? It says, and, and it says the older one went from the beginning uh, with the oldest until Jesus had left the middle of the crowd with the woman. So in other words, they all start emptying out. Old, middle-aged, young. They have her standing in a lot of these pictures. I believe she was, if she was caught in the act, she was kneeling, she was half naked, if it was true. We, we just don't know. But here's where God's grace just poured upon here. And at that moment, now listen to me. At that moment, here's what I want you to see when we talk about this what happened process. I always, that's where I want you to be. When she's waiting to be stoned and she hears the stones hit the ground and she didn't say a word, but I wonder before she thought she was going to die if she thought, what happened? I, now watch this. Here's the, here's the, Here's a message for the day. I, I never planned this. I never planned to be a prostitute. I never planned to have an affair on my husband. I've ne- I never planned this. What happened? And that's where I want you to get because there's times where most of us, we, we really ask ourselves and say, what happened? I didn't plan it this way, right? I didn't. I didn't plan to get, to have a baby out of wedlock. Nobody plans that. I mean, I don't see people get together and say, hey, let's do something. Let's just freak everybody out. We're going to have five babies, and then about 10 years after that, we're going to get married because we just, we want to go against the system. You know? I don't know. I, I, I've never looked at somebody who's a drug addict, and they're, they're sober, and I look at them and say, Hey, you know, so when did you start planning to be a drug addict? Oh, man, I was about 13. And we were at the school, and I saw this drug addict, and he was puking all over himself. And I thought, that's what I want to do. You know, most of the things that we get caught in, folks, we, we don't plan, right? We don't plan to be alcoholics. We don't plan to be divorced. We don't plan to steal something, but we do it anyway. We don't plan the lie, but under pressure, we lie, and that lie turns into another lie, and then we go, what happened? I didn't plan this. And that's what I want you to see. I don't think this woman, and then planned it. And then Jesus stood up, and he said to the woman, hey, where are your accusers? She looks up. Didn't even one of them condemn you? And I can imagine that. No. That's all she said. No. No. But they didn't stone me. No, not one. And he said, neither do I. Now go sin no more. And that's where I want us to get that when she got up, and Jesus maybe touched her on the shoulder and she walked away and just looked at him. And on her way back in that silence, and maybe some of the men had gone out of the courts and she's walking through those courts. She's walking out of the temple, right? And she's seeing all these people. 
was there a moment she said, I didn't want this. This is not what I, I did not plan this. And have you ever been there? Yeah. Well, what do you do with that? That's, remember, these messages for me are very important because I want to know about certain things in my life. What happened? What happened? You know, I used to weigh 165 pounds. What are y'all laughing at? <laughs> I used to weigh 165 pounds when I met Shannon. What happened? You know? I did not plan this. You know, what do I do with it? You know? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't plan being a pastor. I didn't plan it. Look. She said, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, these men were quoting the law of Moses. And what they were doing is they had this law that was very harsh. The law of Moses, God's law, was harsh. Now, I want to go through this real quick, just very quickly. Can you all hang with me? And then it's, it's going to go very quickly. And, and uh, in Leviticus 20, it says, you shall, remember, he's giving out the law. This is the law of Moses. This is what God says. You shall also say to the sons of Israel, this is God saying to them, any man, to Moses, any man from the sons of Israel or from the alien sojourning of Israel who gives any of its offspring to Moloch. Moloch was this great God, and they would actually take live children, make sacrifices in it. And uh, historians tell us that they would, they would glow that thing with such fire. The fire was so hot, it would glow, and that uh, they would scream and holler so it would overshadow the screams of the live children that were being sacrificed. And God said, you tell them this. Uh, listen, they're not going to do this anymore. They shall surely be put to death, and the people of the land shall stone him with stones. As far as the person who turns to mediums, Ready? These are, you go, well, you know, there's the horoscope. Listen. That's a medium. You may not know that. You go, well, I like the horoscope. Well, read it, but understand, most of them, I could make up something, write it down there, you'd fall for it, okay? Because, you know, I'm a Pisces, you know, and and I read my horoscope. I'm I'm not saying, but some people go in, I don't read my horoscope, really. Some people go in and they put all their all their time, all their effort into what it says and said, this is my life. And there were mediums that were walking around trying to bring people from the dead that would speak to you. And he said, listen, for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person and will cut him off from and among his people. So if Jesus had not come and this law was still in effect and the Jews were following it and most people were still following it, there would be (laughs) all these little places that you say that they would read your palm, they would pretty much, they'd die. Because that's what he said. We're not going to mess with that. Look, it says this, and I'm just moving from different ones. Look at verse 7. You shall, con- you shall consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy as I am the Lord your God, as I am holy. Look, and you shall keep my statutes and practice them, and I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And he's sitting there, go tell the people. Now in verse 9, it goes over some other, other things. It says, if there is anyone who curses his father or his mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father and his mother. His blood guiltness is upon him. Do you think it's tough for to be a teenager now? Try cur- you mean you mean teenagers curse their mother and father? Listen, if this was still in effect, we would not have many adolescents. Really, most of you'd be dead. You're going, man, God's harsh. No, don't curse your mom and dad. 
And you're going, well, I, you know, that's cussing. No, there's a difference between cussing and cursing. When you sit down and say, I wish they were dead. That's a curse. And God would go, oh, 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 no, no, no. We're not going to mess with that. Let's just go ahead and take you out of the life. So teenagers, you have it pretty good. Just throwing that out there. All right. So it says this. Uh, uh, so if you were to, most schools would be, uh, I always thought, I wrote this down just because it was funny because I'm weird. But I wrote this down and thought most schools that are 5 and 6A would be 1 and 2A because most of the kids would be gone. So, all right. Uh, uh, so here's, here's the thing. It says now, and then it goes on to another one. It says, uh, if there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife. Now, they're pretty much listing it. Why is God being so? Because that's what we do. And some of you are going, oh, it's so bad. The divorce rates are so high. They, this is, look, God was dealing with it back then. God was dealing with sexual immorality back then. It says, he says, uh, friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Both of them. Both of them. Well, it was her fault. It's both your faults. It, when I look at a couple that's trying to get through marriage and they go, well, they did this, I can see where maybe this part on this side happened that maybe gave them the right to do this, but it really wasn't the right. They just made the bad decision. I can, I can see all that. But you know what? You got married together and you'll get divorced together. Both of you are together making that decision. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Just want you to understand. Most people say, oh, it's his fault. Well, it's both of your faults. Something happened in that marriage. Listen, unless they're just this psycho narcissist that just thinks about himself all the time or herself all the time, then you go, wow, I, I didn't even know. Listen, if there's a man who lies with his father's wife, God's pretty, I'm just hitting the top points. Look, you go, wow, this is stuff that morning talk shows are made of, guys. National Enquirer, In Touch Magazine, The Globe. Here's what we read. Look, it says this. If there's a man who lies with his daughter-in-law, why did God do that? Because he's sitting there going, what are you people doing? This is, this is what they're bringing to Jesus. It says, if there's a man who lies with a male, uh, as those who lie with a woman, homosexuality, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Listen, if, if, if it were that way today, if God's favor... And grace did not fall upon all people and give all people an opportunity to walk out of their sin. It would be a bad, bad place. Most people would hate God. Only those who are like the Levites would go, I love you, God. Thanks for cleaning house. Now, we have those there because I hear people say all the time, well, we need the God of the Old Testament. Be careful that you say that because you would probably be the first ones to die. Right? I don't, want to, I don't want the Old Testament. I, don't, I love reading the writings of Paul, but I don't even want Paul as my pastor. And if you go, boy, well, I'd, lo- I'd love to have Paul. Most of you, listen, if Paul let loose on the church today and he was alive, most of you would never come back to this church because you'd think it was too harsh. Paul was just like all of us. He started out really enthusiastic, and then over time you can see he grew in wisdom, and he began to understand, I'm a sinful man too. But he was very, I think Paul probably was a narcissist at the very beginning before he met Jesus. Traveling that. You all with me? It's all, all, all that weird stuff. It says, if there's a man who lies with an animal, you go, oh, that's sick. Well, you know why God said that? Because there were sickos lying with an animal. It is. 
And those of the laws are quoting, if there's a man who takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, that happens. You think God's trying to cover something about our immorality and our minds sexually? It says this, if there's a man who lies with his uncle's wife, he's going a little bit further. Hey, listen, let's, let's move to the family now, right? It says this, um, if there's a man who takes his brother's wife, and look what it says in uh, Leviticus. You are therefore to keep all my statutes and all my ordinances to the, to, and, and do them so that the land which I'm bringing, to you, bringing you to live will not spew you out. Now, I love the New Living Translation because, everybody with me? He says this. This is the way their translation. It says, do not, do not prostitute yourself to other gods. I think that's a beautiful picture. And then he goes on to say, because we need, I'm doing this because we need to purge Israel and get this stuff out of it. Uh, he says this, is, uh, thus you are to be holy uh, uh, to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and I've set you apart from the people to be mine. Now a man, look, now a man and a woman who is a medium or spirit, she had ends with it, a spirit is, shall surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones, their blood guiltness is upon them. So what I want you to learn is um, when she was walking back, what was she thinking? They were all concerned about the law, but what she was thinking about is that she knew the law, and she says, I have been an adulteress. I have been a prostitute. I have messed up. I did make these choices. Watch this. Everybody look. To be fair, during cultural times, it was very easy. Most prostitutes, most prostitutes were were either very, very poor and had no way to make a living or they were slaves, right? And their masters gave them up and so they had no other, no other life. So there are some people that are pushed into it, whatever lifestyle they have. But I do believe that she walked out and said, this was not my plan. How did I get here? Humiliated, embarrassed, and again, I just remind you, most people don't plan to be cheaters. Most people don't plan to steal or to be on drugs. You realize that? So what happened? What happened? That's what I'm talking about. This, what happened? This was not my plan. How did I get here? All right? So that's what I want to answer for you based on these scripture about somebody that probably walked away and said, what happened? How did I get here? How can I fix this? So... Remember, let's remind what happened is. Now, last week, I did this, but you didn't get to look at it. So I'm going to leave it up there uh, just for a little bit. And you take a picture of it. So you like to take your notes. Because online, some people say, could you leave it up there just a little bit longer? But you can't take their notes. So there it is. What happened is this. What happened is this whirlwind that spins with pride, anger, bitterness, regret, sadness, and so much more. This emotional turbulence sucks in disbelief, unforgiveness, unwanted comments that you make and other people make to you, slander. Watch this. It spins. It, it, it spins with self-doubt, self-abuse, hurt feelings, and depression. Look, there is a great danger when I get stuck in what happened. I must move forward. Some of you are stuck at what ha in what happened, um, and you are stuck in what happened from something that happened years ago. Right? How do you get out of it? What do you do wrong? Well, here's what I want you to see is this. That 
Uh, the first one is, it says, just to remind you, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Don't, don't, even, don't, don't even one of them condemn you. No, Lord, she said. Neither one. Nobody's condemning me. So why are you condemning yourself? Look at me. Everybody look right here. If God's really God and he, he loves you and your unrighteousness is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, then why are you staying in what happened when it comes to what people have said about you, do to you? Watch this. Why are you stuck there? Why do you remain in that situation? Well, here's why. I, I noticed over my short 30 some odd years in ministry and counseling, here's what I see. I failed, number one, to deal with scars given by others or myself. And you can have two types of scars. And I keep on repeating this, not to push it on me, but just to say, I was born without a dad. That's a scar that's not of myself. That was given to me by a dad that never accepted me, right? But every scar after that, when I talk about and say, well, I'm, I'm just not good enough or... Uh, I start pouting because I wish I had a, 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 a grandfather for my, uh, my kid, my grandson. I wish I had another great-grandfather. I, I don't have that. I don't have a great-mother. And I get mad about that, and it upsets me, right? But if you don't deal with your scars that just happened to you, you are going to be stuck in what happened forever. If you don't deal with the scars that you need to take ownership of, like we talked about last week. Some of you, you know why? Listen, you know why alcoholics become alcoholics and drug addicts become drug addicts? Because they got scars. And some of them are scars they did not produce themselves that were given to them, but they haven't gone back and said, let me talk about this wound that's scarred up but keeps on reopening and causes me lots of issues. And that woman was going to have to do that. She was going to have to walk out and say, why did I become a prostitute? Was it a scar that I was poor? Or was it a scar that I was taken in as a slave? And now I've got to deal with it. But I have an option here. Was there an option? And then you have to go back and say, you know, this is why I'm drinking. This is why I go to, I have this substance abuse because of this scar. I've got to deal with it. Or it may be that you scarred yourself up afterward going, I can't get out of it. So some of the scars you have are scars you didn't cause, right? But I could be, I could be married and divorced five times by now if I wouldn't have dealt with my fatherless scar. Because I just go from relationship to relationship to relationship, and I probably pour myself into my job, or pour myself into alcohol, or pour myself into relationships, and I because I haven't dealt with this scar. Some of you, literally all the time, ask yourself, "I didn't plan this. What happened? Why can't I get out of it?" Let me tell you something. You need to go to counseling. Good counseling. Oh, counseling. Uh, that's for weak people. <laughs> well, let me just tell you something. You and I are very, very, very weak. And if you don't, if you're not honest to yourself and say, I am weak minded sometimes, I'm weak to tell the truth. I'm weak to be honest with myself. I'm a terrible self-evaluator. You've either failed to deal with your scars. Uh, The second one, I continually justify my behavior, actions, and attitudes by assigning blame to others. You know what? There comes a time where you just got to, you got to grow up. Quit assigning blame to everybody else and know that I made this mistake because I didn't deal with my fatherless scar. I didn't deal with my motherless scar. Or I didn't deal that I grew up this way. But man, I'm placing blame everything. But some of it's my blame. 
This woman was going to have to walk through that. But what I've noticed when people get stuck in what happened and go, I didn't plan it this way. You didn't. But listen, you sure are blaming a lot of people for your, the way you are, right? Next thing is, the last one is, I have not consistently practiced spiritual purging. And that's this, guys, that if you'll just read word, you go, where do I read? I'm, I tell you, camp out in the Gospels. Read the red letters because you'll learn more about how Jesus loves you. You'll learn more about how Jesus dealt with people who did not even, they were, not, were not honest with themselves. What happened? Watch this. Look at these scriptures. I'm going to run them very quickly. You can write them down. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Psalm 119, 59 through 60 says, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow you, your laws and I will hurry, hurry without delay to obey your commandments. That's, that's how you purge yourself. It says, and even Jesus said, hey, why do you worry about the speck in your, your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Look, it says, how can you think of saying to your friend, well, let me help you get, the, get that speck out of your eye, and when you can't see past the log in your own eye, you hypocrite. Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. All these different things. So here's what I want us to walk away with today. Uh, there's a story in, that I want to share with you in closing that came out of a, just a story I read. It's, it's about a young lady. She's not young anymore, but I just don't want to forget my notes. Her name was Brenda Myers. Uh, Brenda grew up on the west side of Chicago. Now, some of you are thinking of that song, on the south side of Chicago. No, it's the west side, all right? And she was born in the 1960s, and uh, she went to live with her grandmother, um, she, she, her, her mother died at, at 16. Her mother was 16 when she died, and uh, she was only six months old. And she went to live with her grandmother, who uh, was good to her. She remembers baking cookies. She remembers her grandmother reading to her. And, but she also remembers that there were times that her grandmother would get drunk. And what she would do, she'd go to these bars and bring men home, and then she'd fall asleep. And it was about the age of four and five years old that these men began to take advantage of her and would, would sexually abuse her. This went on for years and years and years, and her, her grandmother either didn't know it or her grandmother knew it and just didn't say anything. Um, now, she was a latchkey kid. Now, some of you don't understand that term, but in the 70s, early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, there was this thing called latchkey kids. It's, it's really sad when you think about it that these parents had to go to work, and so what they would do... Kindergarten. She was in kindergarten. Kindergarten. She was a latchkey. Kindergarten. And her mother would have to go way, way early in the morning to go to work in the suburbs. And she would leave and give her little kindergarten a key. And every morning, about an hour, hour and two after her mom left, she'd go out, uh, lock her key, put it around her. Uh, uh, put a key around her, her, her neck, and then she'd go to school and come back. Well, guess who's watching this? These perverts, these men who are ready to take advantage of her, these women who want to woo her in 
to this prostitution life. And uh, so, so those molesters knew her schedule. And here's what she said. She said, I, I would watch women with big glamorous hair and sparkly dresses standing on the street outside our, our house. I had no idea what they were up to. I just thought they were shiny. Isn't that something? And she says, a little girl, all I ever wanted to be is to be shiny. And she was always, uh, always afraid, of course, of these guys coming in. And, and eventually she had become the girl that always said yes to little boys. By age 14, listen to this, by age 14, she now has two children of her own. This is Chicago. Two children of her own. And it was a good Friday, and they had no food or nothing. Here's what she said. She said, I went down to, uh, I went along to the corner of Davidson Street and Clark Street, and I stood in front of the Mark Twain Hotel, and I was wearing two-piece dress costing $3.99, cheap plastic shoes, and some orange lipstick, which I thought might make me look older. And so that's the first time she prostituted herself. And that began to go into a 25-year life of prostitution. Almost done. She made $400 on that day. Went out and bought food, took care of her family. And then um, that began her life in this prostitution. Now, I'm going to read what she said. She was raped, pistol whipped, locked in a closet for days, shot five times, stabbed 13 times, placed in the trunk of a car by the pimps that manipulated, lied. Watch this. Now, everybody listen to this lied and beat God's plan out of her. And it took her childhood. She started doing drugs at age 14. After that, she already pimped out. On April 27th, go to the next one, man, would you mind? It says, on April, 20, uh, April uh, 1st, 1997, when I was nearly 40 years old, a customer threw me out of his car, and my dress caught, was caught in the door, and he dragged me six blocks along the road. She went to the county hospital in Chicago. They immediately took her into the emergency room, but because of, of the condition she was in, they called a police officer who looked me over and said, here's what he said. This is what she heard. Oh, go back, man. Sorry about that. She's laying in her bed, dragged six blocks, and she's, she said, I was waiting for the next shift to start and for someone to attend to my injuries. Up until that point, I'd always had some idea of what to do, where to go, how to pick myself up again. And suddenly, it was like I had run out of the bad ideas. And I remember looking up and saying to God, these people don't care about me. Could you please help that's what you do at a what happened moment. She didn't plan it. Were there ways for her to get out? Yes. There were all sorts of agencies that tried to help her over the years, but she finally made a choice and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And what she did is she started a, uh, she started a nonprofit, and she called it the dream catcher. Look it up. It's really cool. I don't know if this lady knows God. I, don't really, I tried to find everything about her, but I do know that she got out of it because she made a choice. And she started this 
nonprofit called Dreamcatcher. And Dreamcatcher, as much as you know what that is, it's the Indians' uh, tradition that you would hang this, this little Dreamcatcher. It was made of feathers, and it would hang over the baby's bed. Watch this. And they believed that when a little child or baby would have a nightmare, that that bad nightmare would not stay within that child, that the Dreamcatcher would take it and take care of the, that terrible dream. And she said, what I got to go do is into these women's lives, and I got to say, you've been lied to, You've been manipulated and you have no more dream because it was stolen from you or you buried it because of your choices. And they say, every time we walk in, we know we're like a dream catcher. Is there a way you can let that, let that bad stuff go and let it be caught up and let us help you out of it? Now, I share that story just to help you understand that you can, you can get out of what happened moments. Uh, look, this is what I'll close this. What happened is a whirlwind. It's a whirlwind that spins pride and anger and bitterness and regret and sadness and so much more. And this emotional turbulence sucks in disbelief. Look at it. Some of you are sucked in disbelief, unforgiveness, unwanted comments, and slander. It spins with self-doubt. Some of you are self-doubters, your self-abuse. You, you, you have hurt feelings, and it causes you to be de- depressed. And there's a great danger when I get stuck in what happened. I must move forward. Here's what you walk away with today. So I choose to deal with the scars given to me by others as well as scars I have given to myself. And I will no longer justify my behavior, my actions, and my attitudes by assigning blame to others for things I have brought on my own life. And I will begin spiritually purging myself of the things that dishonor God. See, my, my heart for this What Happens series is I see this over and over again as a pastor. And you can get out of it. You didn't plan to be there. But God has something for you. And for some of you, you're fine. But what are you going to offer to others? Some of you are quick to say, well, they, get, they got what they deserved. Is that what Jesus would say? Right? Does Jesus look at all the people that are in hell separated from him because they did not choose to follow and look at him and say, well, you got what you deserved? Look at me, all of you burning in hell because you're separated from me. You'll never be able. That's not my God. And you say, oh, Jesus, come quickly. You know why, look, you know why he hasn't, he's not coming quickly right now? Because not everyone has heard the gospel. That is the grace of God. So what happened? I didn't plan this. You're there, back up and do some history, do some work. Purge yourself. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. All right, let me go over just a couple of, uh, uh, just a couple of house things, and then I'm going to close, uh, let you guys go home and eat, because I went longer than I did. First of all, the children's ministry is having a parent meeting for those in first through uh, fifth grade. If you want to be a part of this meeting, it's going to be a Zoom meeting, and what you can do is go to carpentersway.com, hit the children's ministry. When you open up their page, it'll have, a, it'll, have a, it'll have a thing for you to click on to get to that Zoom meeting. It'll bring you right to the meeting. They're going to do it at 8.30 tonight, so I encourage you children, um, and they're going to let you know about how things are going to work next week and uh, other things that are coming up. Uh, remember, next week, we're gonna, we are doing the Lord's Supper, uh, and we'll have a table in back. We'll have one in front. We'll have one back there. And we will take the Lord's Supper. It's going to be safe for you. Nobody's going to be there to give that to you. Everything is, is safe. Uh, 
Um, it's been well thought through, so uh, it'll be uh, even making the bread. Uh, uh, it, it, it's it's going to be done correctly and put into bags immediately. Gloves are going to be worn, all that stuff, okay? And then uh, the preschool also, everything's coming back next week. Also, those who have preschool, uh, preschool-age kids, uh, they're having a drive-in movie night, uh, and that's fun. They have these little... <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. They have, if you haven't seen it, they have these little cars that they made, and each kid sits in their own individual car, so that's good. It's made out of cardboard. It's all really uh, done up real well. Ash, uh, I mean, Amber does a great job with that. But it's going to be Friday, October the 9th, 530 uh, to 730. And then um, also I want to encourage you to start... Um, Everything's going to the outpost. The outpost, if you're a visitor, if you go down this hall, right before you go out the double doors, look to your left, and there's a preschool area right beside of it is the place that we call the outpost. That's where everything is. Things about children's ministry, student ministry, everything that we have out. The, the community group books have been moved back there, but we want to start sending you to that outpost. And then the next thing is, don't forget to grab your shirt on the way out. And some of you are going, well, I'm just a guest. Well, on your way out, they're in sizes. Grab you a shirt. We'd love for you to wear it for us. If you go to some other church, wear it uh, the first day. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, so get you, really get you a shirt. They have all sizes out there. We really want you to have those shirts. We're going to leave them out. Uh, uh, neck, uh, uh, we're going to leave out Sunday, and then this week we're going to put them up and have them in the outpost based on sizes. So we want to encourage you, grab your shirt now because they'll be in the, in the hallway. And then the last thing is we are back meeting with the youth here on Wednesdays. So if you're a teenager, 6th through uh, 12th grade, Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock, I mean uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30, they meet right here, okay? So if you're a teenager, come and hang out, get to know people. But also we're going to start needing your help uh, because you're the only service right now, but the next ser- you know, the, the late service will have to do it. Y'all know what we do. We leave the first two row chairs just where they are. But what we're asking you is to take all the chairs behind them, stack them in stacks of seven, and leave them right here. Don't drag them anywhere because we have somewhere special. But stack them in stacks of seven for us. Leave them right where they are. And that would help us to prepare for Wednesday, and that will be a little bit of your service. Thanks for letting me go a little bit longer than usual. Guys, don't get stuck in what happened. Don't. It's when, just don't get stuck in what happened. There's more. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for loving us, providing for us. Help us to not get caught in that whirlwind of what happened. Help us as we purge ourselves from things that aren't of you. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great, great day. All right?